think I worked 100 hours a week. I worked a lot, like 16 hours every day, and then on Sunday, eight hours, like nonstop. I literally was almost $100,000 in debt. I was like 19, 20. I really liked this girl, and she liked me. One time, I went out on a date with her, and then I paid for the bill. It was $120. That was a lot of money back then. I didn't eat for one week. I just bought bread, you know, the factory bread with butter. Our guest today is Berin Tonko, an entrepreneur and investor who listed his first company on the NASDAQ at the age of 21 and who now runs a half a billion dollar real estate company. Berwin also recently bought Ekta Tower in Kuala Lumpur next to the Petronas Twin Towers and owns an island in Indonesia. I'm an economist. Like, I understand money and I always didn't really trust the bank. That's why I put all my money in property and I didn't want to take a mortgage or a loan because I don't want to give it to them. So I built a fractional real estate launchpad and secondary marketplace. How much money do you have in your wallet? A hundred. You know you can buy property with that. How? In fractions. So you put that money into this app and then you can choose from different photos in your phone and then just say buy. And then if that property is earning 50% from rent per year, you get 20%. It's better than putting your money in the bank and then you can sell it anytime. I always believe in working hard and working smart. If someone is sleeping and you're putting more hours working or you're learning more, you'll do better. I see it all the time. What's a place in Southeast Asia you are considering or already investing quite heavily in power? Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired today. Um, we just had the launch uh, of our new product from Ekta. It's a real estate marketplace app that you can buy real estate in fractions. Fractions of real estate management, actually. Yeah, I was really amazed because I, I just uh, invited 40 people. Ah, okay. okay. 40 people and then became... Over 100, like 130, apparently, Alila said. So I had okay. to, I had yeah, to yeah. pay a bigger bill because I was paying. <laughs> the, okay. the event was planned for a small group. <laughs> okay, that's why we were standing up uh, in, the, in the corner. Yeah, we couldn't see yeah. it. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Awesome. So we are recording this podcast from your amazing villa in Bali. Yes. So yeah. why did you choose Bali as a base? Uh, I've been coming to Bali since 2001. I really enjoy the energy of the island. Uh, however, I really moved here in 2009. I was uh, burned out from living in Shanghai. Okay. And so I, I knew about Bali before and I knew I can work here and make a business out of it. It's not going to be as much as like what I was doing in the city, but then I can uh, earn it back through a better quality of life and less stress. I live in Bali, but I still go to Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore to do business. But I don't stay too long, like four or five days max. The, it's the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. So you're from the Philippines. Yes. What do you think of this country? Very interesting country because I'm, I was born in the 70s. And during that time, there was not a lot of opportunity, uh, opportunity over there. There was like this dictatorship, like dictatorship regime. And so there was a lot of like political instability and unrest. So uh, like being a young boy, uh, seeing like, because I traveled a lot, I, I used to go on swimming competitions. I used to train in America in the summers. I saw that my, my skills and you know, my, what I'm having in that country is limiting me. Limiting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I loved it. The, it's a, very, very chilled people, but um, I wanted to see the world. So yeah, I left. 
1989, I left when I was 13. What's, what are the few things that you think are limiting? And it's a very interesting topic because, for, I mean, for example, for me, I come from Switzerland, but mm. I felt the same. Yeah, uh, I mean, the reason that I was feeling limited was because I was a swimmer. So whenever I go to the US or compete with Europeans, or you know Australians, I'm like, why are they so much faster? They're much better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I realized the the they have better products. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're bigger as well. But actually, I was a long distance swimmer, so it didn't matter if you were big or small. It's endurance. Longer distance. Yeah, okay. yes. So uh, I just saw that the the training program uh, abroad is better. So I, I wanted and the education at the same time. I can, you know, swim in the same campus and study in the same campus, which I didn't have uh, in the Philippines. Also, uh, so better universities with better professor, teachers, trainers, more knowledge. Facility. Okay, I did a high level because you know, I did. Uh, I went all the way to Barcelona Olympics in '92. Okay. Nice. I was the Philippine record holder, uh, Asia Pacific champion. But uh, at the level we compete, we still don't really see the need to take it because there's no prize money anyway. It's just for pride, national pride. And okay. for competition, the fun of it. Okay. So let's talk about your background a bit. Mm -hmm. What are the few, the few key turning points in your life that define who you are today? Uh, yeah, I think leaving the Philippines when I was a kid, going to boarding school and being exposed to really good universities and talented, uh, talented people. So tech during the 90s, uh, the dot-com boom was really, really a key turning point in me. I really saw the venture capital activity and people doing projects and trying to come up with a new dot-com. Something like crypto today. Absolutely. Like, uh, I, have yeah. a, I have a meme coin, I have a Pepe, whatever. Uh, we were always thinking of even whatever, buying a dot-com domain name and creating a business from it. Uh, and then, uh, so that was uh, really exciting. I met a lot of people in the tech industry, Silicon Valley. Uh, before I moved to the Silicon Valley, I was in my dorm uh, doing projects with my uh, like Russian uh, computer scientists. And we were just like coming up with like things to do, like how we can, you know, improve people's lives and create this new tech that, you know, no one saw before. So how did you participate in this? Kind of dot-com craze and internet uh, early internet craze yeah i was more it i was not a dot-com i was facilitating a payment gateway for the dot-com so a lot of asians didn't have credit cards so like b2c business to consumer websites you need a credit card and the U americans do uh, europeans do but back in the 90s asians didn't so we created like an algorithm to create virtual debit cards from bank accounts so that was wow. something very that's very, very that's very early on actually very, okay. yeah wow yeah. okay yeah so that was um that was really interesting because uh, i really leveraged the uh, you know the asian community that didn't have debit cards that you know were interested in buying in amazon oh, of course they didn't have delivery to asia then but then uh, a lot of them you know they would take a holiday to the US and then they were like, oh, let me buy Amazon, but they don't have credit card. All of a sudden they have a virtual debit card mm. or just purchase certain things like, uh, you know, antivirus software or something like that. that was very new or games. When you say we, what do you mean? Like we were part of the company? Yeah. Did yeah. you build a, 
a, a company to to facilitate payment gateway? Like what what yeah. happened exactly? Yeah, it was a e we called it e payment solution. So um, we got bought out by a consulting firm, big one called Scient, and they listed the IPO. So they paid me in shares. So you started a company that got bought out by a consulting company, yeah. which then did an IPO. Uh, yeah. So we were What? able to. I was able to exit. Okay. Uh, during a Nasdaq listing in on late, a Nasdaq listing. Wow. Late okay. 90s. So that was my. Yeah, that was quite life changing. This was you were based in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I moved to okay. San Francisco okay. in the late nineties. That was really really fun. It was like the go go days. There's a lot of like venture capital activity, parties, events, uh, launch of a new website, and then crash of a new web cra crash of a business after one month. Uh, and there was I remember Amazon was very very new back then. Jeff Bezos was uh, there and. And then there was like these uh, websites called pets.com, yeah. which uh, didn't, I think was too early for its time. Uh, would have worked now, but. The Luna of uh, 1999. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, I was just a bookstore, I remember. But it was so cool. You're like, oh, you can buy books. And uh, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. And then everyone tried to sell everything online eventually. Mm. eBay was really good. Mm. And then there was uh, search engines, Alta Vista, which is, does not exist anymore. Um, there's so uh, dial-up internet was like the big thing back then. Yeah, internet was very very slow. Uh, so you got bought out by this company that then listed on on the on the Nasdaq. What did you do after that? Like, did you continue? Did you work for this company for some time? No, um, or I changed my life totally. From being like uh, entrepreneur, hardcore, like U.S. you know type of energy, Silicon Valley deal making to I just moved to Ibiza. Why? My why my did you change your life <laughs> and why did you move to Ibiza? Because that's like yeah. I'm going from <laughs> <laughs> I'm going from Silicon Valley yeah. internet boom to yeah. I'm going to Ibiza. No, like, what actually, in your mind to just say, okay, I'm going to do this change. Well, There's probably something that happened where like, oh, I can't deal I, with this anymore I, and I need to break. <laughs> actually, my friend was uh, worked for the Spanish government in the Philippines, so I met him and he's from Ibiza and I told him, hey, look, I just sold my company. I have like, I have all this cash all of a sudden. I want to do something, but I'm not sure what I want to do, but I always wanted to live in Spain and learn Spanish. Okay. So uh, he said, "Why don't you apply for a master's degree in, you know, MBA there?" So I said, "Oh, I can do that." Yeah, he got, yeah, and you can even get because you're from the Philippines, they have like grants and scholarships. So I went applied for uh, Universidad de Complutense. Uh, sí, sí, en Madrid. Madrid. Todo so, en español. Sí, 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 sí. Okay. Uh, I got a beca, like a scholarship. But then that was uh, in May, entonces, en junio. Vamos a hacer el podcast en Spanglish ahora. En junio fue el verano en Ibiza, right? So it was the summer. Like, so I got my scholarship in May, and then June, I said, oh, shit, um, uh, I don't start university till September. So I told my friend, hey, can I hang out in Ibiza till like, okay. school starts? Fair enough. Uh, I so never, you went to I, ne I never, intentions. yeah, I never <laughs> went to school, so I, I missed my flight to my masters, and I stayed in Ibiza for four years. Wow, 
my so I God. never took my master's degree. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Interesting. So what happened in Ibiza that made you want to stay there? Uh, just uh, and miss like the opportunity of your life to go to school again. Uh, in Madrid, which is an amazing city where yes, I did yes. my my MBA. Like it's so it's amazing. Yeah, Madrid is so nice. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> I really loved the life. Uh, that was 2000. So 2000 Ibiza is very different to Ibiza today. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have the motorway, no, no autopista, just like small roads with a ronda. And <laughs> I lived in the countryside. I really love Spanish countryside. Like you live in a finca and you have yeah. so much land and you have ducks and nature and the beach is yeah. so beautiful. Absolutely. And the people are just so free, like really different mentality, really changed my life. Uh, I became more like go with the flow kind of guy instead of make oh, i have to do it now like you know become mm. too rigid i became more chilled not too much uh-huh. not too much because like you have this uh so for example i live in singapore i know why i live in singapore uh-huh. i love the island or countryside life but having a discipline and a routine uh-huh. in an environment like ibiza or bali for me is impossible it's i lose it completely <laughs> so my question is when you moved to Ibiza, you say, ah, became like more with the flow. Not too much. Like at I, some point you might, as, a, as an entrepreneur or someone who's like very motivated yeah. and want to get shit done, at some point you might be like, I love that, but like I'm not being very productive here. Yeah, I, I, I started a business there. So it was so nice to actually do business while enjoying the island. Because I like to be, I feel like, I like to, like in Bali, I like to be like feeling I'm on a holiday, but I'm working. I can't really sit still. Okay. Uh, also, the energy of the island is so cool in the summer with the music and the vibes. So I can go to work and then after work, I go to a nightclub. Is there not... Wait. <laughs> that sounds like the dream life, but how do, how do you deal with all these... Um, uh, what's the word? Temptation. Distractions. Temptation. Temptation. Exactly. Like, because Bali is the same. Yeah, like, you, and if you are, how old were you? Oh, in like Ibiza, 30? I was very young. I was 24, 25. Like so that was a disaster for me because I would go to a, <laughs> a discotheque on Friday and leave on Monday. <laughs> okay. But at 24 years old, it's okay. You have power. So, now I'm. <laughs> so, so 48 hours partying. Yeah, but now if I do that, I'll die. I'm 47 <laughs> now. I can't do that. So, like last night, I stayed up a little late. I'm already like, oh, this morning. Uh, I didn't even go out. I was just at home talking <laughs> in the kitchen, uh, having some wine. So you're still able, you go you go on Friday out you, until Monday, and then you're still able to like get shit done <coughs> in the week. I went straight to work. Uh, I had a construction business. I went straight to work with no sleep. And you can see everyone at work still didn't sleep. You can see the, all the eyes. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're, we're all the same. Yeah. Actually, we spend the weekend together. I we work together and we spend the weekend <laughs> I together. saw them in the nightclub. We're like, and like, See you at work. See you at work. Like, see, okay. you, see you at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Temptation was hard. Uh, when I was younger, I was... Uh, because I started off as an athlete and then an entrepreneur before going to Ibiza, although I was 24, I had that discipline, like work is work. Okay, don't miss, don't miss a meeting. Don't miss a deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So that helped. So you built a construction business there? Yeah, we were. Uh, I, I was in property, so that's how I started property. Yeah. Where did it come from? Um, so my friend, he 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 does construction and property as well. So I learned from him. 
Okay. Fortunately, because I sold my shares in the Nasdaq, I had capital, so I could you know actually purchase a plot of land myself, uh, have a startup to build something, or it was really in- it was really fun as well because you were. You know, you, you have the, all these ruins in Spain, like the the old fincas, and then you can renovate. Of course, there's rules. You can't, like, mm. knock everything down and all that. But it's very interesting because you become creative. Like, oh, you can't knock down this wall. Uh, you can't knock, take that wing out. Uh, this is, like, an o- old ruin. You can't touch it, stuff like that. So you become creative. And that's how I came to Bali. Because then you buy furniture from Bali, you send it there. It's it, the, the architecture here and there okay. matches. Okay, so you started this construction business. What are the few key things that you learned? Like, what are the few key things that people who are either building a construction business, because at the end of the day, you're building houses or buildings, or people who build their own house. Let's say, for example, in Bali, it's like a big trend. Oh, I want yeah. to have my house there. Do I buy one that is being built by a property developer already? Do I build my own? Like, what are the f- things that people should really be careful when they go to a place that they don't know to be either buy or build their own, uh, um, uh, like, dream house? Well, uh, it really depends what they're looking for. Some people want to buy so that they live in their, in their home. So they can. there's not a lot of pressure for them as long as they have the budget. There's not a lot of pressure for them to finish on time. To rent it out or anything like that it's more like slowly slowly uh, and then uh, add certain things later but like if you go with the mindset okay i'm gonna start a business with this you know i'm gonna have a villa and i rent it out or a villa complex i rent it out you really need to uh, know your area so you need to know for example which area has the better rental yield um you you need to research a lot as well, like um, zoning. Can it be for commercial tourism or uh, or just stay in the like? There's some areas it's only for residential. You can't rent it out. Uh, you you need to research about construction costs. So like always talk to at least five builders. Have a good in the beginning. The first thing you need to know is you need to have a good lawyer or a friend locally to give you tips. Uh, a good agent, uh, and then um, just research. Research, so uh, like, let's, like the entrepreneur way basically mm. is, it's not like I'm going online and I'm doing some Google search. It's, it's like I go on the field, yeah. I talk to people who are building, who have built already. Yeah, correct. Hopefully like they've done a lot of mistakes that you can sort of try to avoid. Yeah. Or maybe I take part of a project, I invest in a project, Built by people who already built yes. other projects before and already kind of got screwed over. Yes, yes. So and then you learn at the same time and you try to get involved yeah. to understand what's going on. I guess that's the smartest. But you know what? The best way to learn is when you make mistakes and yeah. you get get screwed over. I got screwed Absolutely. over a few times. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Anyway, you, you learn. <laughs> uh, that's life. We'll uh. talk about that later. <laughs> <You learn. laughs> that's about the biggest screws, <laughs> biggest fuck ups. That's life. I guess. That's life. Uh. I love the anyway. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so you lived pretty much everywhere. Why did you move so much? Oh, I just love traveling. So even though I was living in new places, I still travel. I use that place as a base and I travel around. So when I was living in Ibiza, of course, I traveled all over Europe. Gave me an ex- It's so easy 
to go around with the car as well. And then winter is so good, you can go to the ski slopes. Like, I, you know, in Asia, you don't have that. Yeah. In Southeast Asia, it's like yeah. rain, sun. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. In Europe, you have the four seasons. It's so beautiful. So uh, I, I love traveling. I love learning about cultures. Uh, I speak, you know, uh, I started speaking when I was a kid, three languages. Now I speak six good, eight pretty much. And then um, I just love learning different cultures, food. I love food. Mm. Uh, I love meeting people. Uh, so I'm very friendly and uh, very curious. So, yeah, and uh, I, I always wanted to just... Actually, I, I moved to these places. It's because my friends are there. Like they're like okay. So yeah, you have, because one of the key yeah. things I was uh, I was thinking yeah. about this kind of topic is, you know, especially now because of internet, people talk about digital nomad lifestyle, and it's so cool, and it's the dream, and I want to be location freedom and all that mm. stuff. But like I've done it a lot, mm. especially during COVID, because of my businesses, I could do everything online. I still do, but the truth is, if you don't settle down somewhere. I would do like one month there, two, three months there. Mm. Like, so the dream life for most people, mm. but like, it's not. It's lo- for it's me, it was hard. so lonely because yeah. you don't have time. Yeah. You, you don't have time to build an actual genuine friendship or relationship yeah. with a woman or friends yes. or whatever. And like, it's just, hey, it becomes, it's so superficial because you know you're going to live already. Therefore, at some point, I was not even putting the effort and I'm super social. Yeah. I was like, I know I'm living in three weeks. Like, why would I even go out tonight to meet people? It's useless. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you end up in, like, it's very lonely. Yeah. And I, f- yeah. So, 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 so moving that much for you, like, at some point, was there not a moment where you're just thinking, I'm tired of moving? Like, uh, having a base and traveling is a different thing. Mm. But, like, saying, I'm going to live, you know, like, San Francisco, Ibiza, then, I mean, then we'll talk about, like, maybe, Shanghai and mm. other places. I think we also went to Venezuela or South, South America. Uh, Uruguay, actually. Uruguay. I lived in Uruguay for six months. So the thing is, all these places I moved to, I don't stay for a few months. I stay for a couple years. Yeah. So I actually uh, create my base of friends. Uh, my, my friends are my family. We always, you know how in Bali or in foreign countries when there's a lot of foreigners and expats, they, they, the community is strong. They always yeah. take care and support each other. So that was very nice. Uh, but you say, okay, not a few months, but you do, uh, let's say two, three, four, five, six years, you have like super solid like mm-hmm. connections, friendships, network, all the things that mm-hmm. compound in life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like when you should basically not leave and continue because the best is gonna happen and you still leave. Because you can say, oh, I'm keeping my friendship and I see them every now and then. But like, there's nothing that's the same as living somewhere, knowing the people and like interacting with them every day and do that, doing that for years and decades. And so, so, so how do you feel about that? I get bored staying in one place all the time. <laughs> okay. Also, I feel like I'm not learning. After a while, I just hit a, a brick wall. I'm like, oh, I'm not learning anymore. I need to move. Okay. Or maybe in a point of my life, I'm like, I, I, I shouldn't be here anymore. I should be somewhere else doing something. Okay. Uh, How did you deal with um, relationships, like romantic ones? Uh, if you if yeah. you have someone that yeah. you really love and then you leave, actually, the it's funny because most of the places I leave, when I leave, it's because also my heart got broken. Uh, so I was with someone for a long time. Like, mm, okay, understand. I think I should uh, try somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So you were part of a company that did an IPO? Yep. On the Nasdaq? Like, do you want to tell us a bit more about the story? 
Yeah, what that, that was super fun, actually. Because um, it was the, this crazy time. I mean, I didn't yeah. meet them. I was like eight years old. or. Yeah. But like, tell us about what happened that time and how it kind of compares to the kind of crypto craze last few years when there is a, a, a bubble like 2017, 2021. Likely in one or two years, the same will happen again. So people can also understand it, that you have these cycles. And Yeah, it's boom and bust, right? So during my time... Um, um, we, I think I worked 100 hours a week. I worked a lot, like 16 hours every day, and then on Sunday, eight hours, like nonstop. I had no money. I literally was like almost $100,000 in debt. And then uh, I was living in a small room with like 20 servers around me. I was just eating like sandwiches every day. Like I would just get bologna, sand, you know, bread and put bologna, b uh, butter and cheese and ham and just eat. <laughs> and have an apple and just work, work, work. Uh, so at that time, it was very different to now because now I, I do startups, but you know it, we do it in a nicer yeah. setting. Yeah. I was really broke. The setting there, like yeah. you can see with the pool behind. <laughs> <I was laughs> Don't jump in yet. <laughs> no, I was really broke and like I can't even go out on dates because I don't have money to go out on dates. So like I really like you know like. At that time, I was like 19, 20. I really liked this girl, and she liked me. But I couldn't even afford to take her out on a date. There was one time I went out on a date with her, and then I paid for the bill. It was $120. That was a lot of money back then. Especially back then, and, I say, when And then, like, I didn't eat for one week. Like, I mean, I ate, but, like, I didn't. Like, I just went, uh, bought bread, you know, the factory bread, and literally just, like, yeah, like toasted it with butter, and that's it. Because I couldn't even afford, like, a... I mean, I had a mattress, so I was sleeping on the floor because I couldn't afford a bed, like you know, wooden bed or whatever. Uh, yeah, so I was just so broke. And then, uh, but it was so cool because it's just like the startup mode. Everyone was like, okay, um, I hired some staff, but I paid them in shares of the company. Yeah. So back then, you didn't have tokens, so you were yeah. paying in shares, stock, employee stock option plan. And we were all broke, like employee number one, well, me and my co-founder, uh, were one and two. Employee number three was our secretary. Because <laughs> she, she, I really needed an assistant. So she doubled up as sales as well. And uh, everything else, <laughs> HR, <laughs> eventually when we had five employees. And then uh, we didn't really pay them because we didn't have money. So they just really loved the idea. They were all Asians because they're like, oh, wow, you know, we're helping these Asians get, you know, to pay over online and the internet and Asian Americans, a lot of them. And a lot of them were really in startup mode. Most of them were in previous startups that failed. A lot of people failed. Like, I thought I was going to fail big time, um, especially that time when we were about to get the investment and then all my servers crashed. <laughs> and then uh, we just had to fix it and make it sure it went online like when we needed it for the test. And uh, yeah, the energy was good. And then, of course, it's nice being um, there during that time because they always had party with free drinks <laughs> and free food. So I just go try to find have money. Is good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like you say, how do I eat for free? Yeah. I'm going to go to these yeah. events. And <laughs> yeah. And I always just got coupons. Like you, in America, you always get these coupons. You can go like free coupon. And so I just go like free coupon here, free coupon there. Or when I go to the grocery, get, you know, discount. And I really just like was trying to survive yeah. yeah but probably super happy happiest like, time of my life exactly that's yeah. a very interesting point yeah. 
yeah. because if I think about like, I mean, I'm super happy now, but like when you're so like early 20s and you're trying to do things like, and you realize I don't need much money to survive. And yeah. I think that's a key thing for yeah. entrepreneurs, especially if you start early, you have a massive advantage, I believe, because you haven't had like these corporate jobs that pay you well yet. Mm. And therefore you just realize, actually, I don't need that much money to mm. start. And if I just can sustain like this very frugal lifestyle, I can mm. build whatever I want. Like the, yeah. the, 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 there's no, there's no limit in what I can do because yeah. I understood that this, this kind of very basic life is not that hard to, to get. No. Especially uh, with free yeah. pizzas and free beers from, yeah. the, from the free coupon. Yes, that's true. <laughs> also, when you're in your 20s, like, you know, you, you can eat you don't a care, little yeah. bit. You don't care. And the nice thing is I was in San Francisco, so the bay was there so I can jog on the beach, clear my mind, fresh air. Uh, I didn't really have clothes. Like, I had, like, a small cupboard, like, with, like, three pairs of jeans and one suit. And I wore the same, same shirt and maybe one under seven underwear. <laughs> that's it. Like, I had nothing. And two shoes, <laughs> two pairs of shoes. That's it. I still have only two pairs of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, is like, I have, why are you wearing the same T-shirt? Why are you wearing the no same shoes? The, exactly. <laughs> Bali style. That's that's, Bali that's style. even better. <laughs> Keep the T-shirt on. We'll, we'll take it off later for the pool. But like, okay. Uh, so, I, you said you started real estate because of this friend, right? Yeah. But also, I was thinking because you're an entrepreneur and you, you grow in this kind of like tech frenzy, you know something is there. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, and you know also it's like the beginning. Like we know about blockchain now. It's like mm -hmm. people say, ah, oh, uh, it's kind of late. It's not late. It's still super early because like yeah. everybody thinks it's still a scam. So the main question is, did you, didn't you get like the, um, were you not like itching to, instead of going to, for real estate to say, actually there is something to build in this technology, internet, you know, early internet era. Did yeah. you think about that? Or are you just thinking, uh, oh, no, I want to I, be more chill. I want to go to Spain, do this master. And then like in Ibiza, say, oh, I'm doing real estate, which is completely different from yeah. internet and the technology craze, much more uh, conservative and... Uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, when I was growing up, right, I was always broke. I went to US with a scholarship. Uh, I never really had a life because I was swimming and studying all the time. I never had a girlfriend. I never knew how to party. And then you know, when I was working, I didn't go out. I didn't, couldn't afford even to go out on a date. And all of a sudden, I had all this money, and I was in Ibiza. I'm like, ooh, I can go sailing now. I can, uh, you know, uh, stay in nice luxury villas. And I got, got to see like all these beautiful designs. I love designing stuff and mm. building stuff. So I'm like, oh, I, maybe I should do this for myself as well. And being a kid when I was small, my parents always, um, and my grandmother always invested in property because they know it's like a safe haven mm. so i thought that 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 can be good also it's not too volatile i did do a lot of vc investing i did like angel investments in some other tech firms but how i just did, wanted to turn out went to zero okay. <laughs> everything went to zero uh, <laughs> so to say because like most people have been, yeah we talk only about success and all that yeah. stuff but like all these risks you take like I mean, we take like a lot of it, like it's just going to absolute shit and uh, yeah. it's just normal. Yeah, normal. You learn. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but the one thing that uh, uh, always saved me was property. So, because uh, I like the feeling of being broke or no money, no cash. So, what I do is I dump everything in property yeah. and then I'm broke again. It's actually, 
that's an interesting thing for most people to understand is properties and um, even stocks, but like specific stocks such as Apple and are actually not really an investment for most people. It's more like, how do you store your wealth? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not like, how do I make money or whatever? It's more like, how do I store my wealth and make sure I don't lose my purchasing power? Yeah. And these um, like big NASDAQ tech stocks and properties, like the yeah. value has been popped up a lot because a lot of people use as a, this as a, as a store of yeah. value. It's an inflation fighter. Yeah. Uh, that's what I also knew because I, I had a degree in economics, so I really understood inflation and money. And I know in time you lose the value of it because of inflation. So I always knew that uh, property was a good hedge. So, and, so I, and I loved uh, just designing and building. So what's so special? I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit already, but... and. Everybody talks about, you said your grandmother, oh, real estate, real estate. Everybody is always like, real estate, real estate. I want to buy your house. I want to do, what's so special about real estate? What's so, why, why should people think about real estate in terms of um, wealth building or investing? And also, according to you, when should they start to uh, think about that? You build wealth first and then diversify into real estate. Do you use the real estate to build your wealth? Like how? It's hard to purchase real estate if you don't have any money. <laughs> uh, that's why, like my launch uh, event two days ago, is to revolutionize mm -hmm. that. Right, even with fractions uh, or a hundred dollars, you can afford real estate now. But uh, the thing is, I, I'm Filipino, but I'm my parents are Chinese, and Chinese people love real estate. So I've been brought up brainwashed in my head since I was a kid. Always buy real estate uh, because uh, that's that's a safe haven. Uh, but so real estate, why everyone's so fascinated about it is because you need to live somewhere. <laughs> that's number one. It's uh, it's you need to live somewhere. It's also like I guess, kind of like it's a status symbol, an investment. Yeah. Uh, you, you're proud to own something. Like you can touch and feel it. And yeah, no it. one cares you have a uh, hundred Bitcoin except other Bitcoiners. Yeah. But people are like, wow, you have this amazing house. Yeah. Like, yeah. And also you can like sit down on the weekend and say, oh, I can do my garden. It's my own garden. Uh, I can, oh, maybe, I, maybe I'll go to the furniture store and because I need to, you know, interior decorate this corner of the house or that part of the kitchen. So it's fun. It's also fun. And it's really a sense of pride, Yeah, I feel. Can you tell us more about your business in real estate? How big it has, you know, grown and kind of like a few, po a few key points about, about the story and especially what, uh, like, the biggest challenges and fuck-ups yeah uh, I think you said when we talked that you don't have any leverage or no loans. I don't I don't leverage and that's leverage. one of the yeah. maybe maybe something maybe you started like that or maybe something like 2008 great financial crisis happened and you learned that leverage yeah is a bad thing everybody says leverage debt there is good debt bad debt in, in real estate it's amazing because you can you put a hundred k, but you can buy a, a million worth of etc. But like, how, how, like maybe go through your your business story and especially like the hard moments, and kind of relate that to maybe the use of leverage or mm. not, and the key learnings. Mm. Um, 
leverage sometimes can be good, right? Because, so, like, for example, in Europe, right, you if you have a mortgage, you can uh, claim taxes off that mm. and stuff like that. So that's fine. Also, it helps you purchase a home without uh, having to pay for the whole thing. Fortunately with me, I, I don't need to do that. Uh, also, when I go into invest uh, an investment project, I would just do private equity, so pulling funds together mm. instead of uh, leverage. But one thing that really scared me about leverage was in 1997, we had a huge Asian financial crisis. Yeah. And it really hurt, like it started with the Thai bat collapsing. And then all of a sudden the Philippine peso collapsed, Malaysian ringgit collapsed, Korean one, it just like knock on effect throughout Asia. And collapsing against the US dollar? Against the US mm. dollar because they were over leveraged And, you, and they had so much debt. So all of a sudden, all these very, very wealthy families and people that had so much money and assets became poor. And uh, my family also, one of them was them. They got affected a lot by that. So I saw that. It really hurt them. There was political unrest. You know, here in Indonesia, fortunately in Bali, it was didn't happen. But in Jakarta, there was they were killing people in the streets uh, in 19... Uh, 1998, I remember, and so I was like, "Ooh, that is a bit scary. Yeah. It can be good, but can be a bit scary." So that that's why I try not to leverage uh, as well. I I just don't like owing things to anyone. Also, I was so much in debt when I was doing my startup. I hated that feeling because mm. because the thing is, first you're already down, and then you have to pay it back. Plus interest, that mm. interest annoys me because <laughs> it's a lot of money. And the interest is yeah. compounded. And compa yeah. If you understand compounding, you're, yeah. you're getting completely screwed on the yeah. on the other side. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the fear so of being broke and in debt. So directly when you went into real estate, you said no leverage. I'd rather like find other friends who want to invest with me mm. than take on leverage. Yeah, yeah, exactly what's the biggest fuck up that you had in your business? Because you take much less in, risk if you do in real, real estate. estate. Uh, sometimes I just don't do my due diligence properly. So I make a deposit and then, or I make the full payment and then there's problems with the land. And then I have to, it'll take like five to 10 years to get your money back or never. So Is this something that can happen a lot or you need to have a lot of factors that go wrong at the same time? For this to happen so in like uh, frontier uh, places you have to be more careful what's so, a, what's a frontier place uh, like back then in Bali there's a lot of uh, zoning issues fake uh, uh, certificates okay uh, when I was investing in Lombok I had a lot of problems there uh, in Flores uh, Flores is where Komodo dragons are yeah and also other Asian countries like you know I didn't understand the language <laughs> Like Cambodia, I mean, what the hell is that? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, okay, I just buy it. Is it something? Because when you're in the US or Europe, you're like, everything is zoning, everything is proper. You know, you just, you want to buy, you just go to the lawyer, do the exchange, yeah. or the notary, it's done. Over here, it's a bit tricky, so I have to be careful. So I've lost a lot of money that way, especially uh, like, um, I like to find deals. So whatever the real estate agency posts there, I go around talk to the locals and say, is that land for sale? Is that land for mm. sale? And then I, I compare prices in the agent's um, window and I'm like, ooh, that's very cheap. Uh, that's a, I can like buy it and then flip it. 
but then when you sometimes it's cheap for a reason <laughs> mm. because there's a problem yeah. so yeah. i take the risk and then i lose and then i'm like oops i just don't tell anyone about it especially my mom <laughs> she get angry at me <laughs> how do you keep hungry when you could just stop working forever uh, and also hmm. especially when you're young and you make a lot of money quickly is what happened to me two years i mean mm. two two years ago mm. i also lost a lot of it afterwards mm. so i had to kind of become hungry again but mm. you lose the drive yeah. the first time yeah. so like how do you what happened to you and how do you deal with that you know like, yeah that's a good question i lost my drive many times but then i had to get my drive back because i'm broke i'm like fool i have to earn money again <laughs> so that's the beauty of getting your drive back sometimes it's monetary motivation <laughs> survival instinct yeah yeah, yeah. wrong investment and you're like fuck i'm broke i need to earn now i need and then now you start thinking right when you're on survival mode like your body your brain everything is like heightened senses so that you know you start thinking of you know how do i I guess it's manifestation. You start thinking, how do I make money? How do I make If money? If your focus is on something yeah. like a crazy amount of focus, things will happen around that. Mm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. But what did you learn that you do? I mean, how do you stay hungry now? Like, because you have everything. Like, we're in this amazing villa. You own, yeah, I don't I, know, like what, 500 million real estate or like, uh, like huge. Yeah. Like, you could just say, oh. I was actually really uh, so down uh, three pre-covid uh, pre-covid so in between so i i was i was married once and uh with i had to i have two two children and uh when she divorced me she went back to the uk with my kids and then i was like uh i'm just gonna party and you know meet new girls and all the time and i was just doing the same shit every day and then I was like just visiting my hotels and you know getting passive income from there, but then I was like, okay, early 40s. Why am I? What am I? What's the point of living? Like I'm so stupid. What's my mission in what's life? My what's mission? my drive? Yeah, yeah. And for a man, like if yeah. you lose your drive, yeah. like it's over. Especially I, an entrepreneur, like yeah. if you don't have a purpose, like you're yeah. you're finished. And I was just questioning why I've, I've been doing property since 2000 and then it was like 2017 2018 i'm like i'm so bored and also all my friends are my age 42 43 and all they do is like go holiday go to the gym uh text some girls and then play yeah. golf and talk bullshit all day and drink i'm <laughs> like i don't want to i don't want to be like them and they yeah. don't want to change like they don't want to they just stuck in their ways so yeah it was uh really uh i was looking for something new and then Uh, something forced me to do something new, which was the pandemic, because then the world shut down, and then, you know, the hotels, my hotels shut down. I couldn't do property development. I couldn't sell property. Uh, uh, I have to pay my staff, even the hotels closed. And then all of a sudden, I'm like broke again. I mean, in terms of cash, because I can't liquidate anything. Uh, so I'm that's like, a, yeah. That's a very smart way of doing things. Like you. And it's what I learned from like my fuck ups is like the next time I build a lot of wealth quickly is you just need to invest it and act as if it's not there mm. and only live from your business revenue or salary that you can pay yourself and it's going to force you to keep going mm. 
otherwise if you leave from this other thing on the side you're gonna lose your drive and therefore yeah. you're gonna lose your happiness yeah you know i was so broke self, self purpose. <laughs> in 2020 i was so broke after a few months in the pandemic i met sophia my fiance now and uh, she was also broke as she was starting her spa business in uluwatu and all of a sudden the pandemic happened we were staying in a homestay like in a room that's how broke we were I was like, uh, yeah, but it's great. It's a, it's a blessing because <laughs> yeah. you're just there. Like, it's kind of like what we were talking about before. If I can live simply, mm. I don't. Ha I don't have much risks. There's only upside. Mm. Like, so and and getting back into this, like, survival builder mode is actually super exciting deep mm -hmm. inside. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, maybe maybe there's. You don't want to go to the extreme on both sides. Like I go crazy and then I leave a, on a mattress on the floor. But yeah, but yeah. still, like just it reminds you like this early twenties and be like, oh, like I've done it multiple times over and I'm uh -huh. just gonna do it one more time. And and if you're like an entrepreneur, what what you love is the is the journey and the uh -huh. pain and the struggle and not the result because uh -huh. the result is a, is actually leading you to these things that you were talking about, partying every day, being bored and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, it's quite destructive. So if you have a lot of energy and talent uh, and you use it in the wrong purpose, uh, it's very destructive. So it's good like to focus on building stuff or doing projects mm. or just exercising. <laughs> How much do you trust governments and central banks? Uh, and did you see a difference in I, like, uh, all these countries you lived in? Yeah, I, uh, I can't say... Tr trust because hmm. the thing is I work with governments actually so I, I like to work with them because mm -hmm. I like to do a lot of education program and charity work foundation work uh, I don't trust the people running it sometimes because the money disappears mm -hmm. there's corruption but you have to you have to trust something and if that's the thing there so I just have to work with them. Exactly. I'd rather not. No. Like I'd rather do private stuff. I'd rather like that's why I started Layer One Blockchain because I thought, oh, I can create my own country yeah. <laughs> in my protocol. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of inefficiency, so I can't say they're all bad, but uh, most of them are really untrustworthy, and you you tend to lose faith in them. Especially when you see, you know, the a country is very wealthy uh, in terms of natural resources, and then everyone is poor. They don't have free education, uh, no free healthcare. There's like poverty, and you're like, where are the taxes going? And then, and then you see these politicians with the nice house, and of course you see them on holiday in Europe. You see them <laughs> with a nice boat. You're like, oh, okay, something funny is going on here. So yeah, of course, you lose trust in the government, central banks. Um, there's so much I I don't like banks. That's the problem. Uh, what do you not like about banks? So hard to open a bank account with them. It's like crazy. Uh, like I I'm an entrepreneur, so I want to start a new business, and I I need to open a bank account, and they grill you as if like you were a terrible terrorist or a money launderer or anything. I just crazy. just need a bank account because crazy. I'm an entrepreneur. I give you so much <laughs> bullshit. They question everything, bank transfer, what you receive. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to work. It's my own money. Yeah. And so central bank, uh, I don't know. Um, it said bank, right? So central bank. bank. So yeah, I just, the they same. just annoy me so much. And, and the fact that they're like, 
when you deposit your money with them, it's not there anymore. The money is not there. Yeah. That's uh, one of the key yeah. earnings for a lot of people lately yeah. with the US banking crisis. I mean, it's kind of a stealth banking crisis. So most people don't really understand it's yeah. happening, whatever. But like, and it's one of the key arguments of Bitcoin. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, the, the money is not there. I'm an economist. Like, by uh, by you know graduating with an economics degree, I understand money and I know fractional reserve system. Yeah. So I always didn't really trust the bank. That's why I put all my money in property, and I didn't want to take a mortgage or a loan because I don't want to give it to them. <laughs> I don't want them to earn because they're really evil. <laughs> they're they they they're nice to you. They let you borrow money, and then when the uh, crisis happens, they stop your mortgage. Or they stop your loan and then they let your business go to and shit. And they get bailed out by the government. They get bailed out by so. it, but from taxpayers' money. Yeah. And then like um yeah, they like you know, they give you two warnings and they take your home away from you. So so even your home is not yours if you have a mortgage. If right? you have the mortgage. Yeah, you can that's lose a it really, in two months. That's a really key argument about yeah. not using leverage actually. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh okay. What about, for example, in Bali, or what, like owning a, a house, but it can also be seized by a government? Because uh, if you, because you know, they, it happened a lot in the past. Like so the government could come and say, "This is my house." Not with a leasehold. Leasehold is the strongest contract ever. So if you have a leasehold and the government says, "I'm going to build a road across your house." They can't do that because they can't even buy it off you. So like freehold, they can. And so leasehold here in Indonesia is like, that's why Bali uh, prices went up so much. And okay. the roads here are so bad because they want to build a bigger road, but you, they can't because they can't even uh, okay. confiscate the lease and nothing. Yeah. If the land is illegal or you built on a green belt or something you're not supposed to build on, of course they can do that because you, you broke the law. But if you're doing something right and they can't just come and take it okay yeah do you think the bali prices for housing market are sustainable they always go up i've been living here for 14 years uh coming here 22 years uh i've never seen the price of property in bali go down during the 2001 bombing it was flat uh 2008 global financial crisis is went up 800% in eight years. Wow. <laughs> like uh, uh, now when the pandemic is still happening, there's still a pandemic, but when the borders opened in April last year, property prices shot up maybe 70 to 80% in one year. Rent went up over 100%. Crazy. Rent, Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Used to be like affordable luxury and now it's almost European prices. The thing is here in Bali, prices never drop because no one really borrows money, especially the foreigners, because they can't get a mortgage. So it's all cash. So when there's a crisis, they're not in... There's no deflated bubble. Yeah, or they, they're not forced to sell because they have to repay have their the mortgage. Thing. Yeah. So that's, that's a special... Um, mm. Like, this is... Yeah. Very interesting. Bali's special that way. Okay. Prices don't really drop. Is there another, another place like in the world where it's similar? Foreigners can get mortgage, therefore, like they need to buy full cash. I think a lot of Southeast Asian countries. Okay. Yeah, if you're a foreigner, it's hard. What's what's a destination or place in Southeast Asia or in Asia that you would like 
or that you are considering or already investing quite heavily? Uh, I love. Do you think it's going to be like for a lot of people talk about Vietnam or yeah. like, what are the next places that are really interesting to to tell invest? you honestly? I go all over Southeast Asia to look. Indonesia is the best. Okay. Indonesia is so good. Indonesia has 17,500 islands. They have so many nice beaches, nice places to go. It's an amazing place to go, go sailing, do water sports, kite surfing, all of that, have a really cool lifestyle. Indonesian people are so nice. Yeah, uh, it's genuinely like, nice. Genuinely yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, so chilled and everyone's happy. Also, like this area, like Bali, Lombok, this, this area, no typhoons. Yep. So if you go to Vietnam, come Thailand, Philippines, you get typhoons five, six months a year. Here, none. So it's just like, that's why tourism here is thriving. Mm. You get, uh, you know, villas with 90% occupancy all year sometimes. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. How you discover this blockchain thing? Oh, so um, it was really funny because uh, our event two days ago, we did this advertisement about Ecta Real Estate uh, yeah. and uh, how it started. So I go, so it started when someone ate a bat. <laughs> and then the co basically, it's COVID, right? So, so basically, uh, it started with the pandemic. The world shut down in, I think, by March 2020. Everyone was freaking out already because it just started in China in November. And then they said, oh, it'll just stay in China. And all of a sudden... And it started hitting Europe. Everyone went skiing in the Alps. They came back home. They were all sick. Yeah. And it's super spreader everywhere. And then by March, it's like borders are starting to shut down. People yeah. were, it was like the end of the world. I'm like, oh my God, this is scary. I was actually scared. And everyone was leaving Bali. And then by April, the borders shut. Everything shut. So I, I'm like, literally, zero tourists. I had to close all my hotels. And uh, I had no cash flow all of a sudden because that was my cash flow so you have to close all the hotels you don't have cash flow but you still own the places i do but yeah. then i was paying the staff still you still paid okay. yeah <laughs> and then uh so that even hurt the cash flow even more and then i was like there's nobody in the island but just really nice people like so all the tourists left but all the uh, like-minded uh independent thinkers intelligent people that said i shouldn't go home i should just stay in bali uh, so which turned out to be the best decision. I was here for COVID for a couple of months. It the was the best, best freaking Bali time ever. Yeah, yeah. And the best place on earth to be to be during COVID because yeah. no one gave a crap about Yeah, COVID. there was so much freedom here. <laughs> and the smart ones basically moved to Bali, rented or bought a big villa. Yeah, you and do a business visa. Office. Yeah. You do a business visa, you come here, boom, yeah. and then you have like the, the time of your life. You have a five, six, eight bedroom villa with fully staffed swimming pool and you use it as your office. You stay in the villa, you swim, exercise, do your gym, whatever there. Uh, so I was fortunate to uh, meet a lot of people in blockchain and crypto living here. It became a really big crypto blockchain island. Uh, in the early 2020s, mid-2020s. And I just was really bored, and I really needed to change my life anyway because I was already questioning why am I here. And then um, I met so many people in the industry. So they started sending me white papers, and I'm like, what is this crypto? It's so interesting because I don't know anything about it. I'm not a traditional guy, uh, real estate. So I, re so I read uh, Vitalik Buterin's white paper. Okay. That's the first thing I read. So Ethereum white paper. Yeah, I wanted to know what is Bitcoin. So I read you know, Satoshi, Nakamoto, and then I read Ethereum, of course. And I, 
after after I read Ethereum, I'm like, wow, you can do this and that. You can do DeFi. You can do you know all of these apps with the the token. Because first I'm like, what is this? token coin whatever i just see the price going up okay i'll buy but then i don't understand the science behind it but once you understand the science behind it i'm like what is cardano what is uh uh polka dot with you know the relay chain and then you know yeah. uh you have uh, bnb chain and then you, you have what is a transaction uh per second what's a tps what's yeah. a throughput so i learned all of that and then i started to learn about uh all the dApps you can build on it uh, on the layer one and then i learned about literally you can start your own protocols and you can start your own community and your own mic kind of like a micro nation and I'm like exactly uh, yeah. yeah i was so intrigued with that but because at the same time when i started reading this blockchain i'm like there must and I'm, i learned you know there's nfts there's tokens that you can speculate in all of these things but i what interests me is like you know what about the real world use cases so I wanted to see what real world use cases with that. So back then there was like uh, not so much property on chain. There was like, I think Realty was already there. Yeah. Proppy. Um, there was, uh, anyway, a few of those. And then I learned about like uh, uh, DeFi. That was very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, play to earn games were super, super cool at that time yeah. because you're like, wow. Yeah, you had the Axie one that was a big thing in the Philippines. Yeah. yeah. And because I'm an economist, I, I love token economics because you, you really see the supply and demand side where yeah. the utility of the token. And then, um, so yeah, I got into that and I said, holy crap. I read 200 white papers. Like, I would I, say like how, because it's very confusing in the beginning. Uh, yeah, I was so There's confused. There's a lot of crap and you, what is that? And like this token and this tokenomics and the government, the governance model. Yeah. So how... What happened? How long did it take you? And what happened for you to understand I can leverage blockchain for my real estate business? Yeah. So what was really interesting was um, um, the uh, real world assets on the blockchain. Uh, back then, uh, what was really big was uh, there was the DeFi summer. Yeah. And then there was the play to earn. Yeah. And then there was the year, the summer of the DAOs. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, Dao, I forgot there was a few of these DAOs yeah. with, yeah, yeah. Um, and what really, uh, I was wondering, questioning so many things. I'm like, why is the APY 100,000%? That's not sustainable. <laughs> where does it, where is that coming from? And I realized, oh yeah, it's Ponzinomics uh, and it's not sustainable. So I wanted to find like real world use cases and, uh, uh, one of them, like, you know, like, uh, maybe planting trees like metaverse game where you plant trees in the metaverse and it goes to planting trees in the real world maybe you can earn money with that or uh, real estate uh, fractionalizing real estate because what that's exact what i really wanted to do when i started my layer one is to bridge blockchain to the physical world and because uh, blockchain is so new it gives people their own power They're, they become their own bank yeah and because of that it improves their lives uh, or ruins their lives if they speculate too much and leverage. But it, it can improve a lot of people's lives. Uh, it's the source of truth. It's immutable. Uh, you know, the code doesn't lie. Once it's there, it's there. And uh, so I'm like, wow. So now you can do first crypto doesn't sleep. You can trade anywhere in the world. It's borderless. 
you don't need the banks because you can do DeFi. There's no centralized authority. I'm like, how do I make uh, the four big problems of real estate disappear? What are uh, the four big problems? Uh, number one, it, real estate is highly liquid. Number yep. two, you're limited to what you have in your wallet or your bank account to buy a property. Yep. Number three, it's specific to that location geolocation specific and number four what do you it, mean by it's specific to that um, you mean like like there's these markets and everything is different in different places and yeah it's, it's not the same like everywhere basically. yeah there's no standard everywhere right so if you go to thailand you have to f abide by thai rules mm. if you go to indonesia yeah. it's indonesia yeah. rules there's the, and then number four it's uh there's many industry right so there's the hotel the hospitality the retail the uh, you know, industrial. So I wanted to like make it like multi-chain, multiverse, like uh, it's agnostic. It's just like I can, if I want to buy something in, in Thailand, I can f for a fraction. And then all of a sudden I just go to Indonesia. I can go there, do that. And I don't need to think about the laws. And yeah. um, uh, if, if I, it's, I, I want it more liquid. So if I want to sell it, I can sell it quickly. Uh, if I can't afford an entire property, I can buy in fractions. Uh, if, I'm, if I want to, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the yield in uh, parking spaces are good. I get 30% per, uh, per annum. Okay, well, uh, you know, I can buy a bit of this, bit of that. So like a basket of everything. And blockchain can do that, which is great through NFTs, through uh, ERC1155 token standard, which is the fractional NFTs. Uh, and then, um, I mean, it becomes like borderless as well. And then you can have like a portfolio of properties in your, in your phone literally and and it's 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 a stable and more safe investment uh, because uh, for example if, even if you're not in crypto if you buy stocks it's very risky uh, if you pick the wrong one but if you buy property if you look at the stock market it goes up uh, in history is it goes up around 11% on average per year property goes up about 10% per year but it's not volatile property yeah. it's just steady and stocks go up and down so I thought like, you know, a lot of people would understand, a lot of people don't understand crypto or blockchain or all these protocols, uh, all these layer one, ZK rollups, blah, blah, blah. But they understand real estate and it's like a really good, easy entry point for mm -hmm. them to get into blockchain through, you know, an entire NFT or a fractional NFT. Okay, so you understood blockchain and how you can solve the four main problems of real estate with blockchain and what did you build exactly so i built a fractional uh real estate launchpad and secondary marketplace Ex you explain this to me if you're talking to your grandmother yes so she understands uh, so she understands real estate but she doesn't understand if, crypto. if you were my grandma i would say to you grandma uh <laughs> how much money do you have in your wallet a hundred you know you can buy property with that. How? Mm. In fractions. So you put that money into this app, and then you can choose from, you know, uh, different uh, photos in your phone, and then just say buy, and you can buy, and it's yours. And then you can, if that property is earning twenty percent from rent per year, you get twenty percent. It's better than putting your money in the bank, for example. And then you can sell it anytime. 
just uh, put it in the secondary marketplace. Someone will do, you know, you can do bid offers and and there you go. That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And for the buyer, zero fees. Like, where do you get that? And also, like, imagine you go to Cambodia. You're like, oh, my God, I can't read Cambodian. But then if it's on the blockchain, it's a source of truth. You're like, uh, buy for one, one fraction for $100. Okay, let me try. Now I have something in Cambodia for zero cost. So a few questions here that pop up to my mind. So I'm a buyer with limited capital. I can go on the app, buy a fraction of a um, building or house or villa, mm -hmm. maybe hotels. I don't know, like what's the, yeah, so, the plans? So we fra what we fractionalize Restaurants. is the, the management rights of the asset. It's uh, the asset when you see. So the good thing is when you sell, when you sell as a property owner, you can sell it very fast. Like in a few minutes, it's sold out in fractions. So you don't need to raise capital through the bank or anything. And then you can use that to build more, you know, things that you like to build on. Or that's amazing on. for a property developer, for example. Plus, right? he gets royalties for the rest of his life because that. A fractional NFT when you trade it in the secondary market, he gets you royalty. Get so he loves that. Uh, less fees than less commissions than normal. Uh, the the blockchain will collect the taxes for you and pay the taxes, so you don't have to even worry about paperwork and taxes. And then you can just focus on what you love doing the most is you know developing property. For the buyer, zero cost, zero fees. Um, can buy in fractions. And then for the agent, like, you know, the real estate agent all of a sudden, uh, like, you know, at night, if he wants to send a referral code or do maybe once a week event and refer people, he, go, he gets extra commission. So everyone wins. So it's, it's actually quite good. And we follow all the regulation. All taxes are paid. Uh, it's very transparent. So you can see when it's rented, the money goes into the property management company, into the wallet, and then you can claim it. Um, and so, I've, so I've, I, I'm buying rights of like management. Yes. So, for example, I buy a, I'm, I'm buying part of a, a building with different apartments. Mm -hmm. If I buy 51% of the building, I'm gonna be able to decide. Yes. Everything that's happening in that building. Yes, because then you're part of the DAO, right? Yeah. The DAO is a decentralized, a decentralized autonomous organization. I guess in the real world, it's kind of like a property homeowners association, yes, yeah. something like that. Exactly. So you can decide on that. Or or one day if a physical owner, a physical buyer wants to buy that property for double, you can decide, okay, sell and then you can that's your liquidity as well. You get a lot of liquidity back that way. But there's also liquidity because you can you can sell in the secondary market. You can sell those NFTs. We call them FREMs, yeah. F R E M's, fractions of real estate management. Mm. How do you make money if people pay zero fee? Is it because you're the property developer and you can raise money much faster I'm, and I, move on to the next project? Or what's the... So you mean for my business? Exactly. Yeah, why, do you, why do you do that? I mean, obviously you're going to say, I want to make the real estate market yeah. more liquid. I want to help yeah. people yeah. to invest even if they don't have that much cash. But like, there is a like honorable side to that, but like you still need to make money. Yes. Otherwise it's not going to work. That's so how a very, does that work? very good question. And the way we earn money are two ways. 
Number one is uh, from licenses. So we sell uh, project and country licenses uh, to anyone that wants to open their own marketplace and integrate into our platform. B2B? Yes, B2B. Okay. And then number two. So you're selling a technology stack? Yes, yes. We're, an, we're a SaaS. Uh, and then number two is the marketplace. Just who would, what kind of businesses would do that? Like other um, so real estate developers or like? Yes, property management companies, real estate developers, property listing companies, brokers, they'd love that. Yeah, so they would, okay. they would do that because it makes sense because they, then they have their own marketplace and they get platform fees from that. And uh, of course, we get the platform fees, global platform fees yeah. as well. So the way we get platform fees is uh, f during the primary sell, during the launch pad, we, we charge the seller uh, percent. And then during the secondary market sale, we also uh, get a percent from the, the sale. Uh, based on the NFT contract or yeah. the token contract. Yeah. So every right. time there is a sale somewhere, there's a, yeah. a chunk. That also, that we have, you know, listing fees. Uh, we eventually we have data that we can you know, use subscription uh, and stuff like that. Okay. okay. We actually have no token. We just use stablecoin. Uh, so also, the fractions of the frames are ERC one one five five. So it's so a token. Is, but so this is Ethereum based. Uh, we're um, chain agnostic, so we launch in Ethereum, and then next week or the week after, we're in Polygon, and then we eventually do Ecta Chain as well. Uh, all the EVM chains first we can do, but okay. uh, we use USDT on their uh, network, so USDT on Ethereum network, USDT on uh, Matic network, like that. How do you avoid? building the next Celsius or FTX. How do you make sure that people can actually trust you? Yeah, because, because we don't. Yeah, because like the main yeah. thing would be, I'm putting money on an yeah. app. Yeah. Like you can disappear with my money. Yeah, yeah. We don't hold anyone's money. So it's all in the smart contract. You can see everything on chain. So uh, the only thing that uh, there's human intervention is during the listing, the, the notaries or the lawyers are the validators. So they have a, the their portal notary or uh, legal portal and they they validate the documents there has to be two validators and then when it's approved it goes on chain the the real estate owner can start fractionalizing the real estate and it goes to their wallet not ours we just uh, we just take platform fees so we don't hold anyone's property we don't hold anyone's money but the tokens so i'm buying it okay Let's make it very simple mm -hmm. for our, our beloved grandmother. <laughs> I'm buying, I have a hundred bucks. I'm buying a, frac, a share of, um, of a villa. Yeah. This is represented with a token. Yes. Which in the beginning is in your app. Nope. It's Where is this token? The, the token, for example, there's many, many houses, right? So each house has a token. So the seller first, uh, let's say it's a million dollars. He says it's a hundred dollars per 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 uh, frame. Yeah. So there's a ten thousand of those tokens. Ten thousand. Yeah. So he puts it up on sale. So he goes to his dashboard. He says, "I'm putting up one million for sale, soft cap, meaning let's say forty percent soft caps. So if I get four hundred thousand, 
uh, I'm happy I can close the sale or I can hit the hard cap, meaning sell all. Sure. There's a time frame, let's say 60 days. And if they don't hit the cap, the escrow will return the money to the buyer. If they hit the cap, the, the contract will say, okay, the seller can withdraw. Once he withdraws the cash, we have an exchange partner that can do the OTC for them. Uh, so to move it from crypto off-ramp to fiat. The new owners of those uh, uh, fractional, the FREMS, it just stay, stays in their non-custodial wallet. So the app has a non-custodial wallet. They can export the keys. Okay, so in the beginning, there, I have my token there, and then I can just take this token, yeah. send it to my ledger or yeah, treasure or whatever. Yeah. So we, we don't own anything. We're just a marketplace and a software company. We provide okay. the tools. So to I have help. this, I transfer this token to my cold wallet, yeah. but then the system still understands that I own, even if it's not in the app anymore, I own, Kevin, I own this token in my cold wallet. Therefore, I own the rights to receive rental Correct. yield yeah. every day or week or Correct. month or quarter. Therefore, I still have in my, app account this money that comes in crypto i guess wherever your token CEO? is wherever your token is you connect your wallet and you can claim from the claim app, right however if you want to sell that nft you can only sell it in our platform so you can view it in OpenSea, you can view it in you know magic eden but you can only sell it on our platform because that's how we earn through our fees okay Okay, very interesting. Is it, um, so it's very interesting, but it also requires people to understand these technologies. Yes. Like this is a barrier to entry because yeah. you need to educate people. Yes. You know, because in the, in the ideal world, everybody is like, oh man, that's amazing. Like, mm. but this involves crypto knowledge, like private keys and all that stuff. Like, how do you think about, I mean, you could say the exchanges actually have the same problem. And they offer, they say, you can keep your money on my account, on mm. my exchange. But mm. the risk is I'm an FTX or I'm a Celsius <laughs> or I'm an other 20 exchanges that blew up. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you think about this side that could kind of prevent you to get the goals that you want? Yeah. So you have an academy or we, like, what, what? we have an academy. Okay. We have an academy. We currently have five modules. Um, we haven't gone on any sale yet because we just launched. Uh, we did an event two days ago to explain that this app is here. Whoever wants to list can list. Whoever wants to uh, download the app and KYC, they can right now. And then they can load their wallet with uh, stablecoin. Um, we will be doing a massive uh, sales push very soon. We have webinars. We have in real life events. So the way we sell, it's not like crypto style. We don't do like Discord, Twitter, Telegram. We actually go in real life and we go webinars. So what we do is we target schools, we target real estate agencies, we target uh, you know real life communities, and we explain to them what this does. It's yeah. very simple because the app is simple. It's like an Airbnb app. Your wallet's in there, your chatbot's in there, everything's in there. So it, it, it's a very web two feel. So people know how to online shop. Uh, people know how to use Uber like that. So it look, it, people know how to book in Airbnb. So it's, it looks like that. Okay. So it's quite easy. Okay. You launched a blockchain too, Ekta blockchain? Yes, we have a layer one. 
Can you tell us a bit about, for me, the most interesting part that I often ask people who launch a blockchain, they launch a token. How did your life change after launching a token? Because it's, a lot of people say this is like a second business. It you know, ruined like my it's life. Ve- <laughs> it's, a ve- it's, a, it's a very, people think, people always think, oh, these people got so rich launching this token, but they don't realize what, the, what comes with it. And actually that yeah. most of them fail or is a, is, a, is a journey and a roller coaster. Like, can you tell us a bit about the Dude, your, token jur- your token journey? That's why, um, so our layer one has a token, it's called Ekta. And it's listed in you know a DEX called SushiSwap and in a centralized exchange in MEXC, for example. Um, the token ruined my life because then e- everything is about oh how to pump the price, how to do this, how to, and then you forget about how to make the business work. So yeah. fortunately, the bear market came and we were building the whole time. And when we launched this actor real estate platform, I said no token doesn't make sense. It's just doesn't make sense for most things actually. Yeah. Exactly. 99.9% of things, yeah. like, we don't even need a yeah. token. So our, actually, our token uh, makes sense because we're layer one, which means we need it you know, to mint NFTs, uh, pay for gas fees. Um, our, our chain is actually not proof of work or proof of stake. We're actually proof of authority because our chain is focused on B2B and li- literally like uh, real world use cases. Because also I, I have a property development company. We have like... You can create a whole community and a use case for the token in like the resort or in the tower, in the building, stuff like that. So we're a bit different. But yeah, it ruined my life. I mean, my, uh, I have no idea about blockchain. And then I launched a token and a layer one, which is the hardest, in June 2020. Uh, no, sorry. Jul- uh, we IDO'd in July or August 2020. By October, that's very quick since discovering blockchain and saying, "Are we going to launch uh, yeah. our own token?" Yeah, that's the problem when it's too quick because I don't know a lot about blockchain, especially the tech. I got rugged by my own CTO in October, so our token price was oh. crazy. It was like uh, we IDO'd at a few cents, and then we reached over ten dollars. And during the peak, our CTO rugged us. And of course, I had to go public and explain to people what happened. And then I... Where is he now? He's hiding somewhere in China. He's, he's in Chengdu in the middle of China. He's Chinese. And um, um, yeah, I mean, I had to rebuild the whole chain because you know, I'm, I'm a person of integrity. I'm, I'm web one, so I'm, like, I'm not used to like rugging. I, yeah. I never heard of that before. Yeah. I, I have word of honor. And so I... That's not, not something you can do with shares. <laughs> The rugs no. doesn't exist. Yeah, so we we so launched. Just December. like, can you get like the rug? Like, what what? what he used what did he get out with and like? Uh, he basically exploited the bridge. Okay. So he minted unlimited tokens on the bridge and then sold it on the exchange, and the price from ten dollars dropped to. Point zero zero zero. It became like Pepe. <laughs> point zero 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 something. I, I, there were so many zeros, and of course, everyone was crying. Wow, okay. Yeah. I lost okay. my money. I lost this. I lost that. I'm like, don't worry. I'm going to migrate the chain, migrate the token into V2. And like Luna, basically. Mm, like the did, Luna, mm. Luna 1 that went to 0.001, then yeah. they did Luna 2. Yeah. To so, kind of like, okay. Yeah, we migrated, but then we did a screenshot. So everyone with that token. The snapshot, okay. Snapshot, yeah. like we, you, you, we gave back the version two so everyone didn't lose money 
okay. which was good. It was but very... the dude is gone with a lot of money, basically. Yeah. And we're not a big chain, right? Our market cap small. So I think he ran away with five million. But still, okay. that's a lot yeah, of money because yeah. I had to rebuild it again. It cost me two million to rebuild. And then, of course, uh, people lost trust. Uh, everything, that's the big right? thing. And because it, it the was... token is actually the biggest market. It's not linked to how the performance or like the actual business, like the development of mm. the, 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 the tech and everything. But it's basically your main marketing tool. Token goes well. Amazing project. Token yeah. doesn't go well. Yeah. Shit project. Yeah, that's why it ruined my life. Because yeah. like my project is so good, I'm building it. The, the token doesn't reflect what we're yeah. doing. Eventually it will. In a few next year it will, because you see there's a lot of utility and use cases for it. But right now, you know, it's still very young and uh, it takes a while. Yeah, but yeah. So we launched V2 and people, the community trusted us again. And then the bear market happened. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was very painful again that, yeah. last year. I mean, it's not only bear Let's market. Let's rebuild right? the chain, but then. <laughs> <laughs> we build the chain. We relaunch a few cents. Went up to six dollars over. Oh, so it was like crazy. Everyone was happy again. <coughs> and the then emotional roller coaster of owning <laughs> tokens, and that then, are that are mostly vest, vested, I guess, for most people. So you yeah. own them, you have the paper wealth, but you can't sell or whatever because it's vested. So mm. actually you go through like these crazy emotional swings. Yeah. I'm poor, I'm yeah. rich, I'm, I'm poor again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rich again, I'm poor again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to find a normal way to make money because I'm not going to rely on these freaking <laughs> tokens. Yeah, the, yeah, it really ruins your life. Yeah. But, and then Jesus, last year was crazy because you had the Luna first going yeah i remember well going uh, down the usdd pegging yeah. i always knew that something was wrong with that because it doesn't mix algorithmic stable coins are a bit dangerous especially when it goes to the death spiral like that they never worked before actually yeah and luna never. was the exception yeah. that, I, that i massively believed in i was massively invested yeah. in that and got completely because burnt before that remember they had titan as well exactly and then before that there was like six that yeah failed. but the titan and all the others were all based on these super high apys mm. whereas like luna we had Dokun on the podcast mm. actually and um I asked about the death spiral because it was a big question mm. uh, back then. And he was saying, we build this entire economy around, uh, around the, the, the stable coin that kind of forces you to use this stable coin so you're not incentivized to like dump it because we build this entire economy with all these applications. But at the end of the day, while was all these applications, a lot of numbers that were propped up mm. and kind of fake and also the main one was uh anchor anchor protocol which basically had yeah. this high apy 20 percent yeah that's yeah i yeah. mean we know what happened yeah it's I, not, but uh, you know one thing doquan was right about is the banks can uh, affect crypto and you, you saw that with uh, Silicon Valley Bank. When, if, if, uh, if Luna was still alive a few months back, it would be like crazy yeah. because because the decentralized stablecoin yeah. and the reason why it needs to be algorithmic because otherwise it's centralized. And yes. The, the USDC example was yes, like correct, crazy. Right. So basically you realize, oh, like you're like, there's this meme. It's, it's often the meme on Twitter that uh, uh -huh. Elon Musk posted, which was um, like, you know, you, you, you can choose between... The, it's a guy who is, like, uh, sweating, and he's, like... He has his choice between these two buttons. One is, um, um, crypto is a scam. I should put my money in banks. And you can press this button. And then, banks are a scam. I should put my money in crypto. And the guy is, like, sweating because he doesn't <laughs> choose. 
it's crazy because this is exactly what we experience. And even like the safest stable coin, you realize is actually tied to these banks that don't have the freaking cash yes. there. Like, and then the thing like DPEGs. Yes. And so crazy. It crazy was, uh, he was right though, Kwan. Uh, the bank can hurt uh, crypto. And it, it showed in USDC, everyone thought it's the most safe and stable stable coin. But then it depegged to 85. Of course, it went back because you know it's backed by you know, one-to-one -one, um, uh, sh M1 yeah. and uh, short-term bonds, right? So, so I actually bought because <laughs> I just bought, you know, I, it's going to go back to one. Okay. But then a lot of confidence disappeared, right? Imagine if the, the f FDIC didn't pay all the depositors, then that's $3 billion gone. So that's crazy. That, that definitely, that will be the peg for a while. But... So on one hand, this was really bad for stable coins and everything. But on the other hand, this is the thing that convinced me to... So I was rebuying crypto since like November, December, but to go all in. Because because that was like the main... The reason why Bitcoin exists is exactly that. So yes. like for me, the conviction was... After all the shit that happened last year, I was like, the, the conviction for me is like to go all in crypto again because of basically you... If banks fail, like which they are, and if there has, if there are probably hundreds of banks that don't have the money, yeah, e and the way of the FDIC and the government is to basically say we're going to save all the depositors and everyone, therefore we're going to print money, yeah. Therefore, if you print money, liquidity goes up, which is amazing for tech and crypto, yeah. Therefore, like you know, you know that sooner or later, like you can increase the rates. You know, increase the rates and hurt more banks. But you increase the rates, more banks fail, more money printing. You yeah. lower the rates, the, the rates better for risk assets. So basically, by owning Bitcoin, yes, like you're you're good. It's really, uh, it's amazing. I was looking at uh, Satoshi Nakamoto put a message like in the genesis of the yeah. of the Bitcoin, in 2008. and it says banks are supposed to protect your money, but instead they go into reckless investments and uh, lose your money. And, you know, and then really the use case of Bitcoin came out during that collapse of those three banks, SVB, Silvergate, all of that. I said to my team, I think BTC was 20 or 21 at that time, already went up from 16. Yep. I said, watch, Bitcoin will go up this week, next week. People are gonna lose trust with the bank and they're like, oh, the use case is here. And it started going up. And uh, yeah, I think uh, there's going to be more bank fails, failures for sure. Yeah. And then the use case of Bitcoin is there. And it's such a sound money. You can, like, no one can control you, can shut it down. I love, I love Bitcoin. Like, uh, whenever it drops, I just DCA, DCA, yeah. DCA. Yeah. What's some of the craziest shit that you've seen or lived in your entrepreneur life? I think uh, being in crypto, yeah. <laughs> launching the token, seeing all this uh, shit going, getting rugged by my own that's, CTO. That's a big one. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. Seeing my, I, I couldn't withdraw my money from Luna, uh, Anchor Protocol, and I was freaking out. And eventually, it I could, and then I already lost like 20, 30 percent, and it was going down, going down. That was crazy. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> I did. I wasn't in Celsius or or FTX, but. Uh, uh, you know, I was uh, investing. I was just having fun because I was 
being full degen at that time. I was just investing in these DAOs, like uh, what was it, Wonderland, Wonderland yep. money, Magic Internet money. Uh, that was very tied o- to Om, UST, actually. Mm, yeah, Om DAO, yeah, Olympus DAO, all of that. So I was like, wow. I'm earning so much like <laughs> every day. This is going to end one day. So I knew it was going to end. So like I was always watching it and one day it started dropping, 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 dropping. And it's so hard to withdraw, you know, when it's dropping, right? The network's clogged. So it's like <laughs> your heart's beating and uh, it's like, oh my God, but it's so fun at the same time. It's, it's, it's like a gambling addiction. If you think it about is. it. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Like it's like this 24, I see crypto today because it's so few real world case usage i see crypto as a 24 7 online casino that anyone can yeah can access to yeah. from anywhere and because everyone is greedy and everyone is a bit of is more a bit of a gambling addict inside like yeah there's gonna be more and more people joining the the casino yeah every time exactly. there's a bubble and exactly. you see that with Pepe just like Pepe. A, what, two months ago or a month ago. Yeah. Like, everybody, like, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy as well. It's, it's because just endless. Like, people repeat the same patterns over and yeah. over again. And it's just. Uh, if you really understand tokenomics and liquidity and all of that, and you're seeing the market cap of Pepe going above 500 million, and then the liquidity in the DEX is only 5 million, you're like, ooh, you better be careful yeah. here. Like, yeah. the slippage is going to be huge. And yeah and stuff like that um a lot of people don't understand that yeah you're playing a game you're yeah. playing a game of musical chair and yeah. and the liquidity is very small and yeah. you can you can architect or design your your token to pump yeah um when there is no liquidity so barely anyone can withdraw the money but yes. people just like dump the money because they think like paper gains are like high yeah actually i I, we were doing a lot of private deals and I remember one of these deals we did, like they explained us that, I mean, you probably know it too because you launched your own token. When you launched your own token, like the market maker actually went to the, the project and said, how many X do you want that launch? 30, mm-hmm. 40, 50 mm-hmm. X. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to offer the liquidity at the 30 or 40 or 50 X that you want. But obviously the more, the higher, the more it's going to crash afterwards. But like mm. the whole thing is kind of architected and designed and it's uh, super crazy and interesting at the same time but like a lot of people don't, under- don't understand yeah it, yeah and they get completely burned because of that yeah that's why that's why uh, you need to be early and you need to get out early the thing that's why i did this fractional real estate marketplace because i wanted to give people a safer way to invest in this industry through a steady i call it um, stable coin plus yeah because it's stable it's property and then you're getting yield, which yeah. is uh, sustainable yield because it's coming from rent. From, from real it's money. Real money. And then every year, that stable coin goes up in value because it's, yeah. it's an asset yeah. that appreciates. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like my little anchor protocol, but sustainable. <laughs> stable coin plus. What, so. what can go wrong? What could go wrong for someone who invests in this, uh, yeah, so in this app? You can be careless and get hacked, right? You can, you know, expose your private keys to okay. someone and get hacked. I mean, there's a lot of scams out there. That you probably go to the wrong site instead of our site. They scam you. Uh, but ours, we have KYC. Everyone has to KYC. So that's our anti-scam mechanism. Um, what can go wrong? Uh, if the company fails, what happens uh, to my ownership of my so assets? So there's no company... So the seller, 
can be a company that's true or an individual, when they go on the sale, it's in an escrow. So if they don't hit the soft cap, the money's returned. Mm. It's all smart contract, right? So we're yeah. not, no, the, the code doesn't lie, so you can see it. Um, what, what else can it go? I mean, it's really, you know, probably a hack. Or, yeah. Which happens a lot, yeah. Steve, yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. What's one of your biggest fuck-ups in life in general? Uh, I lost my finger when I was seven. <laughs> I blew it off with a firecracker, and I'm like, "Fuck, fuck! I'm so stupid. Why did I do that?" So I, I, I always regret this because whenever I look at it, I'm like, "Oh, such an idiot, playing with firecracker." Still didn't prevent you from doing uh, swimming. Yeah, actually, yeah. Were you using like a fake? No, I didn't. A, a I mean, that's why I'm a long distance swimmer because it doesn't really matter okay. in the long run, but in the sprints, it does. Okay. Uh, what uh, what fuck ups did like uh, I man a lot <laughs> I have a lot of fuck ups. Uh, What's the one that you learned the most from? Blockchain. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah, CTO thing. CTO thing. Uh, also, I um, I tried to get into gaming. I fucked up big time there because I don't know my I don't know anything about gaming, so I tried. Um, Try to get as an investor or what? As I a wanted to do or? a tree planting game in the real world and in the metaverse, okay. but I didn't realize how expensive it is to get into gaming. So okay. I, I ran out of money okay. <laughs> doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? I could have used it for this thing. Yeah. Uh, what else? Probably drink driving and crashing my car okay. <laughs> okay i'll never do that ever again i did that when i was a teenager uh what else yeah uh yeah i mean a lot of a lot of it is in the, the last three years actually trying to launch projects in, okay i tried to start my own decks uh, so basically being almost too sp like that's a classic thing for entrepreneurs especially if you own a lot of things like you're being too spread out instead of like doubling down on your strength yeah you're like, like the, the classic thing yeah. oh, i'm getting bored yeah i want to do something else i want to yeah. do something else i want to yeah. do something else. and then you realize man like yeah i'd rather double down on what i know already because i can even know more and yeah. maybe it's a bit more boring but because the value in everything comes from compounding. I'd rather like focus on that and get even deeper yeah. with my connections and my projects and my investments and everything instead of always trying to do something else, except if I have some kind of play money to lose. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's still... It's, it's still itching it's to like just... right, to lose it sometimes. I, I could have used it to pay for my kid's summer holiday with me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. What's what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, so, uh, um, I still use it until today, and it's a very, very basic uh, principle in economics and what my professor told me. Um, he says the world has limited resources, just how to figure out how to maximize that. And so I use it in everything I do in life. Minimum effort, maximum reward. Uh, 2080. Uh, yes. 2080 rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like how am I? How can I be as lazy as possible? Correct. To get the best. <laughs> Entrepreneurs Correct. are very, yeah. very lazy. I yeah. mean, they work like crazy, yeah. but like they will try to do like, how do I do the least and get mm. the best result? Hundred percent. Correct. Correct. What's something you believe in? 
that most people would not agree with. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I believe they're aliens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I uh, I believe there's uh, you know there's another more beings out there in the universe, and there's aliens, and I'm sure there's aliens among us. Then, yeah, I, I believe there's another form of life out there. That makes that us. makes a lot of sense actually. What's like a belief that you have that you learn and that is just growing every day, more and more. Oh. Um, So I always believe in working hard and working smart. So like, um, I always believe like if someone is sleeping and you're putting more hours working or you're learning more, you'll do better. Mm. So I, I and it, I see it all the time. Like I still, I'm 47 now and I still work hard. I work 12 to 16 hours a day and I love it. And the the competition is not. And I go, oh, I have an yeah. end. So outworking. Yeah. Like I, if I, so basically the whole thing is Maybe I, I'm not outsmarting you. Maybe you're smarter, but if I outwork you, I'm going to win. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hopefully. No, oh, no. <laughs> hopefully. You tell this to yourself. I try. So, so, exactly. So, because you, so you can justify that you work all this time. Yeah, because I'm not the smartest. That's what I know. I also believe in uh, hanging out with smart people. So if I do that and I have people, smart people around me and I work harder than them, uh, I'll hopefully have an edge. That's a big thing in sport, actually. Because, like the talent is one thing, but if you don't like practice, 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 you're never gonna True. be at your full potential. True. Um, if there was a key takeaway from today, what would it be? Key takeaway from today. Uh, Fractionization is amazing. Actually, <laughs> it's an amazing concept. Yeah. Think about real estate or art or whatever yeah. things that people could not afford before. Uh -huh. that you can increase the liquidity and like offer this kind of investment to everyone. I think that's really amazing. Yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway. Also, the key takeaway is also learning from you. Like you, you were like me. We, you know, when you lose money, you become hungry. And, you know, it's like we're, we're all human. We're not invincible. Like shit happens. Yeah. And yeah, you just have to live with it. And then, you know, just pick up, fall off the horse. Get back on the horse. Actually, the name of this podcast is Shift Happens. And oh, it's, no, it's really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, so we're rebranding re everything. Oh. And um, it's basically, it's Shift Happens, but it's definitely a play on word that uh, shit happens and ooh, ooh. shift happens. Well, so. there's a huge shift uh, happening <laughs> uh, in the world today. <laughs> uh, in banking. <laughs> in, uh, I mean, there's a lot of tension going on. Yeah. Thank you so much for this, Berwin. Yeah, thank you. Where can people follow you and connect with you? Uh, I'm so funny. I'm not really in social media so much, but I, uh, you can follow me in my Twitter. Yeah. At Berwin Tanko. Uh, my Instagram is private. Um, I think uh, you, I mean, we have a YouTube uh, channel in Ekta. So yeah. if you follow our socials at Ekta Chain. Ekta uh, Chain everywhere. Yeah. Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, if you YouTube. go to ekta.io, all the info's okay. there. If you want to learn about fractional real estate, it's there. Just keep clicking. We have all our socials. Awesome. Thank you so much for this. That was awesome. Cool. Cool. This was fun.